We have always existed, and we are still here. Telling the stories of those slung dead, we won't disappear. We're taking the pen back into our own hands. We live and we breathe and we keep creating, taking a stand. History is queerer than you. Hello and welcome to the Making Queer History podcast, where we connect our queer history to our queer present. I'm Laura. And and I'm Will. And today we're going to be talking about Lou Sullivan. Usually we actually um, will skip the articles Dean writes, just because Dean is a genius and fantastic and incredible, and I feel ill-equipped to uh, expand on anything uh, he's written. But this time... Um, I've also done some presentations on Lou Sullivan for just, uh, presentation reasons. I think specifically the one that I've done most often on him, we also did this on an Instagram live actually, because we, it was COVID was just starting and I was like naively hopeful that it would end soon. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do a little thing to entertain people. Cause that's what everyone was doing at the time. I wanted to be like the cool kids. <laughs> and uh, I did a, a presentation, which a lot of people you came to see, which was really sweet. Um, and we talked a little bit about disability and queer history and how those intersect. And specifically we talked about Lou Sullivan and how medical of queerness has affected the queer community. And we're going to talk about that more here. And I'm really excited for that. Um, It's a really interesting discussion, I think. And I feel like I'm equipped to talk about this person sort of ish. And um, I know he's a lot of people's faves. So feel free to send me emails of correction at queerhistorypatreon at gmail.com. I hope I didn't say that too fast. Queerhistorypatreon at gmail.com. And feel free to send any emails if we have any corrections, but I feel I, I feel confident-ish in my, in my knowledge. Um, also, in, in further news, we're still sick. That's why this podcast episode is so late. That being very said, late. it's still incredibly early for patrons, because patrons get all podcast episodes very, very early. And so it's like, it's still early, but it's late for how I usually present the podcast to patrons. And I feel really bad because I just, I thought I would get better. Um, and you can maybe even still hear how sick I am in my voice. I don't know. Today though, I feel vaguely better and I'm hoping I'm on the road to crafting. We'll see. We'll we see. We have a lot of doctor's appointments lined up because yeah. uh, both of us are vaguely sick. Um, it's not COVID. Not COVID. That's what we got. Uh, we can promise you that much. Yeah. So, as far as we know, we're not dying. Mm-hmm. Technically, I don't have any doctor's appointments lined up. I have appointments to... <laughs> I'm on a waiting list. I'm two waiting lists. And I'm also spending a lot of today researching doctors. Because, turns out, I know everyone's going to be surprised by this, doctors are shitty to women. And my doctor did not treat me well. So, I have to find a new one. Yes. And hopefully this doctor will be... Uh... A woman doctor. Yeah. A woman doctor or at least someone who, you know, is not trash. Yeah. I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm 100% behind the whole, like, getting women doctors to make yourself feel safer and stuff. That being said, I I, I refuse to just, like, be like, oh, all male doc- doctors are like this because that, like, takes a little bit of accountability away from them. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, they're men. That's how they act. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit. It's like they should... Uh, Gender is made up. Right? And They've made like, these choices. And it's like men should work harder. 100%. To understand women. And sexist people should work harder to understand women. Right? And, like, you can just be a nice person and you can be a better person. It, it, it's... I feel like since gender is made up, uh, it's not a good excuse for being shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's my hot take. That's my hot take of, of the start of the episode. Um, But just so you know, if you have reached out to the project and haven't gotten a response yet, I apologize. I have been sick. 
constantly and I keep meaning to respond and I don't and I hope that doesn't make anyone feel guilty. Please don't feel guilty. This is just me giving context for an overall situation. You have done nothing wrong, especially if you've sent up a follow-up email, because that's really appreciated, actually, because things get uh, confusing when you're not paying attention to the communication you're usually hyper-focused on. (laughs) And things get muddled. So sending us a follow-up email, totally fine, totally cool. I just don't want anyone to um, feel bad that we haven't replied. It's not because your email wasn't perfect and beautiful, and I don't want to reply to it. It is purely because I am sick and lying on the couch half of the day being like, I'm dying. And I'm not dying. That's, well, I could be. Who knows? Who could knows? be a little venture. Who knows? I floated the idea. I have pneumonia and that terrified Will. So that's Yes, fun. it's very scary. a little scary. funny. It's funny very little scary. treat. Um, all of that being said, we did have three articles out mm-hmm. last um, in January. And I think they were all fantastic. They're all great. Uh, there's one from me, mm-hmm. there's one from Laura, and then there's one from Dean. And I appreciate so much both uh, Will and Dean helping me out like that. I'm going to publicly thank them here. I have privately thanked them both. And just, I really appreciate it. I was not capable of doing much. Um, I'm also proud of the article I wrote. I felt like it was really well done. Article Will wrote was fantastic. I'm so impressed. They're incredible. They're an incredible writer. You can ask their writing teacher who specifically <laughs> made a point of saying how good of a writer they are. Thank you. That was for a fiction thing. Yeah. It's transferable. <laughs> it is. It is. It's, it's true. transferable. <laughs> um, it's a transferable skill set. It works everywhere. Um, but Will's article is fantastic. Uh, you should definitely read Will's article if you have the chance at any point. Uh, you should also read my article. I think it's interesting. It's sort of a discussion of this vaguely shitty person who was also queer in history and we, we sort of discussed like the sort of shitty things he did and the sort of good things he did and the mixture he had of <laughs> trash and kind of nice. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's a fun soup. It's a soupy mess of problematic people. So queer history is really complicated. Like it that is. Ah, uh, it's soupy. It's soupy and messy. It really is. And you know what? I think Lou Sullivan is is less in the soupy side. I think he, he was solidly cool. Yeah, solidly rad. That being said, someone's gonna send me an email being like, "He did this awful thing." I'm like, uh, next podcast. I am sorry <laughs> to all the people he committed war crimes against. <laughs> That being said, I don't believe Lou Sullivan committed war crimes. How do you know? I, did you Google, did Lou Sullivan commit war crimes? I did not. Wow. What the fuck? <laughs> um, that being said, sometimes just Googling, did this person do this thing, does not lead to results. Sometimes because I no Googled, answers. is Walt Whitman racist? And my Google results said No. <laughs> And the answer to that question is yes. That being said, like, I still enjoy his work. I I am glad to know that he was super fucking racist because that actually brings a lot of context into his work that I think is really relevant and really sort of like almost, um, it it doesn't make it like better, but it makes it, it makes it more complex because he says all these things about like kindness and being a good person, how everyone's equal. And just knowing that he didn't practice that in his his day-to-day life is, I just think, really impactful when reading it. It's something that I think about now whenever I read his work. And I'm just like, yeah, 
I contain multitudes and part of your multitudes is being a shit person. And like part of his multitudes was being a good person because I, I was reading uh, a book called Zora and Langston, which is about Langston Hughes and Zora. I forget her last name, but they're best friends for a while and then they had falling out. But I'm, I'm just in the first part, so I don't know what the falling out was about yet. Um, but a part of it is he he talks about, well, not he talks about, uh, Langston Hughes mentioned that when he was on a boat to, I forget where, he threw all of his books overboard. It, it's actually sort of like Walt it was really Whitman. No, sorry. Oh, Langston. Langston said he he threw all of his books overboard. Damn. Um, I'm sorry if I said that wrong. Um, but Langston said he threw all of his books overboard, which is apparently uh, a subversion of this trope that I didn't know about, which is sort of how colonial writings depicted black people interacting with literature specifically having literature be this thing that like you know completely redefines who they are and like makes them civilized i'm putting air quotes but real quotes um makes them civilized and obviously that's bullshit that's racist bullshit and he did in real life so it's not like a you know literary subversion it's a real life subversion but the only book he kept was leaves of grass by walt whitman which i thought was interesting and I understand why he would keep it. And I understand, like, also that their poetry are, they're two of my favorite poets of all time. Uh, Langston Hughes and Walt Women are two of my favorite writers of all time. If I had to list my favorite writers, they would be in the top five. And it's interesting that they would have that sort of interaction through time and that Langston would love his work as much as I do. And Walt Whitman should have got his shit together. Because yeah. I, I, he could have been better. But at the same time, I, I do think it's interesting that like people can get inspiration from other people, whether they like them or not. And I think that's almost sort of a reclamation in a way. Like 100%. personally, I'm not going to put that on Langston. I don't even know if he knew about Walt Whitman's racist past. Because it's not like people are like, Walt Whitman was so racist. Let's have an in-depth discussion of the problematic nature of Walt Whitman in, in that specific time period. No one was uh, woke enough yet. Well, some people were woke enough. They just didn't have also the internet and didn't have the support they needed to uh, <laughs> maybe... They're probably having the discussions, but it's not a well, you know, circulated discussion mm. at the time. But um, I don't know. As a, as a queer person, I, I do sort of have this like like for taking inspiration from things that don't like me. I'm like, I don't care what you think. Well, I do care what you think about me and I'm stealing your shit and I'm going to do it better. And no one's going to even recognize your fingerprints on it because I'm going to do it so much better than you ever did it. And I think that's, you know, a, a nice little petty kick in the butt to make, create great art from shitty people's trash. <laughs> um, And that's just in reference to my experiences. And I think that's a really good almost philosophy because mm -hmm. that just means like you can take what you want and leave what you don't want exactly and, and that's what i feel art should be mm -hmm. and then you just get to remake it in new image remake it in new image and like make it better mm -hmm. and make it with the knowledge that the person who made it originally would hate that you're making it right and there's like there's a little spark of spite pleasure in there is that their their word for that <laughs> spite pleasure a spark of spite pleasure I don't know the word, but I feel like it should, it should, it should be, be a word. If it's not a word, it should be. Anyways, we should probably dive into the podcast episode. Uh, it might also be a little short. I don't know. Maybe we'll end up rambling. Maybe we won't. Please be um, compassionate. Well, that's a bad <laughs> way of saying it. Please uh, be understanding. I, I, no one's ever not been understanding. Everyone in our audience has always been super sweet about uh, when we need to take breaks or not do things as long as we usually do them. Um, so like, I'm just paranoid and just like, 
We all have- I'm so sorry. Anxiety and imposter syndrome. Exactly. I just think that you're all going to hate me now. Which is not your job to fix. That's my therapist's job to fix. Mm -hmm. Don't worry. (laughs) Hannah's working so hard. (laughs) She's trying her best. Every day. She wakes up and is like, all right. (sighs) And like opens this imaginary huge book of Laura's messed up stuff that we have to unpack. And it's all very exciting for all of us. Anyways, let's dive into Lou Sullivan, who is much more relevant. So Lou Sullivan was born in Wisconsin in the United States Mm -hmm. in 1951 on June 16th Mm -hmm. into a large Catholic family. And he was given a a diary Mm -hmm. at at a fairly young age. And then he would just write in it and that's sort of how we know because i know a lot of a lot of a lot of trans narratives have these very different structures in that some of them are like i knew when i was a child (laughs) i knew when i was a baby in the womb uh exactly what was going on Mm -hmm. or like i knew when i was a teenager i knew when i was 56 yeah and uh it's very um especially with historical we don't always get like the the first instance at which the person knew that they were queer or knew that they were trans but in Lou Sullivan's case he more or less seems to have sort of always known that he was trans and sort of always acknowledged this in his writing when he wrote in his diary. Uh, for and it's just a really interesting historical document. It really is. And to have access to that, I love, I love that so much. Mm-hmm. When you get to have access to historical diaries. 100%. Like, isn't that beautiful? Incredible. So at the uh, age of 11, uh, Lou Sullivan wrote... Uh, when we got home, we played boys. <laughs> and then two years later, he wrote, I wish I were a boy. And then about a year after that, he wrote, in this in this one, this one hits. Yeah. I want to look like what I am, but don't know what someone like me looks like. I mean, when people look at me, I want them to think, there's one of those people that has their own interpretation of happiness. That's what oh I am. God. Right? I've never read that quote. I oh lose my, my mind. God, I that's amazing. Mind. And like, also, like, one, that's a fucking glow up. Two, um, I love that. Uh, and, and three, I, I just like, I love how clear it is. Cause the first one's like, okay, well, you know, it could be other things. And the next one's like, ah. And then the third one's like, ah. Right? Cause, cause like the first one, you could be like, okay, you're just, you know, you're questioning. Everyone does that when they're young, and that should be encouraged. 100%. And then the the second one, you're sort of like, okay, this could be either, like, a trans-identifying thing, or it could be, like, a discussion of a sexism, mm-hmm. which is often how trans narratives go. You, yeah. You're like, Specifically, oh. Specifically, narratives of trans men. Yes. Yeah, 100%. And then the last one, you're like, ah, mm-hmm. this is... This is a trans boy. Also, it's interesting. I'm sorry, just like a side note. It's interesting that it always comes up in discussions of trans men. Mm-hmm. That like, you know, trans men, well, it might be sexism. They might be avoiding sexism. I'm not saying that shouldn't come up in discussions of trans men. But that never comes up, I find, in discussions of trans women. Mm-hmm. Like, it never comes up that like, why would they dress up as a woman if like, you know, there was so much sexism to experience. Like, they're obviously trans if they're, you know, saying I'm a woman and these things. Like, they wouldn't volunteer to experience all the sexism of the specific time period. No one ever says that. Mm-hmm. No one's ever like, oh. And they also, like, no one ever talks about, like, signing up, too. Because as, as much as we talk about, you know, the sexism that women experience, and y'all are going to cringe when I say this, but, like, there is a blowback on men. And, like, not many people would sign up for that blowback either. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't sign up for the blowback of being uh, a man in certain historical contexts where I can't touch my friends. I can't, like, without it being, like, 
specifically at this point, quote unquote, sus, which I hate that. I hate that. I want to beat up every teenage boy who says that. Yeah, no, that's horrible. I, yeah. Mm. It's, I, I hate it so much. It's like, it's oh, so old it's, school homophobia to And me. it's even worse. Because yeah. like, if we look at the connotations of the word sus, I mm. believe it comes from um, the, the video game where there's an imposter in the thing. I forget what it's called. Yeah. I forget what the video game's called. Um, Among Us? Among Us. And, like, there's an imposter, quote-unquote imposter. I thought it just came from suspicious. That makes sense. I think so, too, but I've only ever heard it in the connotation of playing Among Us. That makes sense. So, like, it's sort of, like, it's beyond just being, like, this person's suspicious. This person is an imposter. It has those connotations. That makes sense. Okay. At least to me. Mm -hmm. My my little brother used it, but only ever when you played Among Us. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I would beat him up if he used it in other contexts. Right? That's horrible. And, like, especially considering the fact that the imposter is, like, a killer. Yeah. Uh, and, like, yeah, no. No, that's a lot of connotations that I really don't like, and I did not know people were using it in that context. Yeah. And it's also, like, really interesting, because it's... it's <laughs> Not to get off track. This is going to be a long podcast episode. Me, every, at the start of Us When We're Sick, this is going to be so short. I'm so sorry, guys. It's going to end up being six hours long. I'm so sorry. Um, either way, I apologize. But you know what? You voluntarily signed up to listen to us. So enjoy. Um, I'm about to go off. Um, but like, it's interesting how these, I'm going to say, I'm just going to say it. Um, I'm going to put it as teenage boys and, and sort of reflect in the teenage boys I knew when I was that age. And I've seen, I'm, I'm on the TikTok. I, I see what they're doing. I'm technically Gen Z. I don't like it, but I am. <laughs> I feel much closer to millennial because I was, as growing up, made fun of for being millennial and, and mocked on news and websites for being millennial. Now I'm grown up and I'm being mocked and made fun of at news for being a Gen Z. And I'm like, let me out. I want to get off the carousel. Please <laughs> let me out of here. <laughs> Anyways, another carousel that I want to be let out of is the lack of knowledge of queer history, because that is where exactly this is coming from. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, this is absolutely rooted in queer history, Mm -hmm. in the depictment of gay men as being suspect, of being murderers, of being people who will um, harass or attack straight men, or, you know, put in sexual moves when they're not consenting or wanted, and including, let's, not just gay men, but bisexual men and and trans women, and anyone who is assigned male at birth who is not doing maleness in the way that society wants them to do maleness, and specifically involving sexuality and gender expression. And these teenage boys have no idea that that's what they're saying, that they have no idea that when they say, oh, that's a little sus, my immediate thought is, I'm like, oh, I'm thinking about Alfred Hitchcock's rope. I'm thinking of... Uh, Matthew Shepard. I'm thinking of, you know, Marsha P. Johnson. I'm thinking of the virulent hatred that straight men have for transgender women sometimes. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about all the stories I've heard of transgender women being killed because they've slept with a straight man who, after sleeping with them, has been like, oh, I'm going to have an identity crisis because I'm a little fucking baby and I'm not grown up to just go to a therapist Mm -hmm. about this. Or (laughs) maybe not at the time. The therapist might not have been very helpful. But like have this internal journey instead of taking it out on the people around me. And uh, they don't know that that's what they're saying. And I can't entirely blame them mm -hmm. because, you know, they're not in their head being like, this is homophobic. They're in their head being like, this is a fun joke that I'm making. But like in my head. I've been taught. That masculinity exists. 100%. And in my head, I immediately am like thinking of all these historical connotations it has. And I cannot imagine the impact that's having on 
the teenage boys who are around these other teenage boys who are closeted or just not expressing their identity fully yet in any way and are hearing these things and are hearing, even if they're out, are hearing the men say sus and like all these like things around gayness and in their head being like, okay, don't act like this. That these fucking 16 year old boys who drink monster every three minutes and wear Axe body spray think maleness should be. Right. The experts. Mm-hmm. The fucking experts. I'm, I'm they, sorry? they like shave their peach fuss every morning. They know what masculine experts. <laughs> oh my god, I hate that so much. You're welcome. I'm sorry for going off like that. I, I didn't know that I had that in me, but I, I've been seeing no, I've been seeing like a lot of people, you know, a lot of teenage boys who look like who I interacted with when I was a teenager. And yeah, who would have if they known that I was queer beating the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, okay, this is like a completely like personal We're, we're not talking about Lucelvin right now. I'm so sorry. Completely personal anecdote of like someone I went to high school with during Pride Month last year mm-hmm. dressed up in drag yeah. and did an entire thing on social media because they're, I'm, I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to do anything, like give you any specifics, but they, they're like Loki, a politician mm-hmm. and, and they dressed up in drag and they were like, Doing that entire thing mm-hmm. of I'm in drag and that's funny. I'm so fucking funny. And I'm like men are so funny. And I'm like the F one in men stands for funny, right? And I'm like one. This person has been like nothing but like low key shitty to me. One hundred percent. And two, this person would have like not beaten me up probably, but like very viciously talked about it if they knew that I was queer in any mm-hmm. form. One hundred percent. And it just like. Makes me really upset. And it it also, like, there's this sort of, like, also, like, hurt in my heart. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I know when I was, you know, a teenager that queer men in my life and queer people in my life who are, who are not men would express gender variation as a joke. Because that's the only way they could physically express it. And I, I hate that I... They are forced to do the same thing mm-hmm. as fucking straight Todd, who, I'm sorry if any of you Todds are are listening. That wasn't anything against your name. Your name's lovely. I'm fine with it. But I, it was the first one I came up with. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but like fucking straight man who who's just, you know, trying to be a microaggression walking around. And like, I don't know, I, I find it, I find it offensive. And I'm, I'm going to say it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the PC police. It's me. We're, I find we're here. it. I'm here. Uh, we also hate the cops. We also hate the cops. I'm but offended we are the by the police. Of police. <laughs> we're the police of police. Please stop. <laughs> um, but I find it deeply offensive that mm, these male cisgender male straight politicians will interact with queerness as a joke. And you know what? I'm sorry. These I'm I'm removing politicians because there there was recently a thing where um I'm trying to remember the the it's two celebrities and they kissed on SNL two men what what and that's so funny oh my god that's so funny that's so funny I'm I'm I find it so funny I find it so so fucking funny that you exist you existed for fucking point five seconds. In the way that my friends got fucking hate crimed for, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's hilarious. I'm 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 chortling. I'm chuckling. I'm chuckling darkly. I I'm doing it all right now. You can't hear it because I'm yelling as well. 
And I'm fucking tired of, of accepting scraps from straight cisgender men mm-hmm. and, and, and praising them specifically because straight cisgender women will be like, I get to see two boys kissing and I fetishize that. So go team. Right? And I'm like, I, I really want you to never speak again. Both of you? Like, stop. Like, sit and down. Like, like, if you're not queer, I don't want you in this discussion. Mm-hmm. If you're not queer and you don't have to identify openly as queer. But if you are not fucking queer, I do not want you talking right now. Like, I don't want you talking when we're having these discussions about whether we should be joking about our fucking identities. And also, 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 I learned recently, James Corden yeah. is straight. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh. Those were micro. Oh. <laughs> that's a nightmare. Yeah. And like. Because I haven't watched the fucking mm-hmm. musical prom or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the I. The musical counts as a micro, uh, a macroaggression. That's yes. an aggression yes. against the queer yes. community. And, and I've just seen clips of his acting. Mm-hmm. And, and for some reason, for years, I have thought that he was a gay man. Mm-hmm. For years. And then someone's like, hey, I hate that he's acting like this when he's straight. And I'm like, oh. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. And I think it falls into the thing of, like, gay men not being hired for roles playing gay men in television. There's a very clear example of this. Darren Chris was hired to play a gay man on Glee, and an actual gay man was not hired because he didn't look gay enough. Right? And, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be so generous with James Gordon right now. I'm gonna be so fucking generous. And I'm gonna say, when he started acting, I, I, I'm not sure I wasn't there at the beginning, but I saw some of his early roles. I saw him on Doctor Who. He just sort of played effeminate characters. And I never read that as gay or him trying to make fun of being gay. But slowly, that's what he started being known for, being slightly effeminate. And then he's like, oh, that's what people find funny. Cool, cool, cool. Let's exaggerate that. Let's make a career out of that. Let's make a fucking joke out of that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I never found that to be the funniest part of you. What I found to be funny is that you're uncomfortable in situations that, you know, were wacky. Right? I found the situations funny. I didn't find you being effeminate funny. Right? You think that that's... And, like, that's why everyone hates you now, James. Like, I felt bad at first. Because everyone's like, why is James in fucking everything? And I'm like, it's a, it's an actor. I don't care. I don't care. Let, let him let him have fun. Me but I'm, hearing I'm people done. complaining about that being like, oh, you, that's that's sort of homophobic. Like, that's, that's the gay oh man God. you're making fun of. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Number I didn't one, know he was that's, straight. That's, that's like and me. I feel bad. That's like me calling out people. Well, not calling out. I didn't call out anyone. To be clear, but like being uncomfortable with people being mean about Ariana Grande because I thought she was Latinx. Mm. And then someone was like, "No, that's a white woman," and I'm like, "What?" Yeah, and she's acting like that. Yeah, and she's making those comments. Yeah, and she's getting the okay. Mm. That's none of my business. I'm mm-hmm. gonna let everyone else deal with that. I'm gonna have to cut a lot of this out because uh, we're at we're at thirty minutes. Oh my god, we're at I'm thirty so minutes. Sorry. Uh, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. And you know that one comment we got really early on in the podcast where it's like not talking enough about the the discussion at hand. Yeah, we're I'm not sorry, my about man. The at hand. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, my bro. We're yeah. not talking about it. But you know what? I I I didn't realize that that upset me so much and that I was I was holding on to so much anger about it. But I'm glad I got it out because like I think a lot of what I said was completely fair. And I I also think that it it does sort of tie into loose all of it because that expression of gender variance feels so deeply queer mm-hmm. and, and resonates so much with what I know of of gender variance and of queer people and of trans people. It's not generally, unless you're like trying to avoid discrimination, a lot of the time it's not about wanting to look like a cisgender person. Mm-hmm. It's about 
wanting to be a trans person. Right. Like, and- wanting to be trans is a sign that you're trans. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, revolutionary to have that discussion. And I know a lot of y'all turfs and there's there's all there's all the all the acronyms who who Red, pick apart what, what's it called uh like who pick apart uh trans people's identities you have to have a biological transition you have to have hormones you have to have surgery you have to have uh dysphoria you have to meet the medical and we're gonna get into it why that's a bad thing because that's a part of lou sullivan's story but i don't know i i just see historical queerness and i see historical transness and i'm like oh it's so variant they're so much there's so much richness there's so much diversity how could we make a rule right how could we make a single rule right and also moving from people who are shitty about queer people to people who are good about queer there people. we go happier um lou sullivan's family uh-huh. loved him so much that's and they just like accepted him and they were just like oh okay all right uh his brother was like oh no lou's like like my brother yeah <laughs> like and that's my brother his mother bought, bought him a suit and yeah. told the tailor, like, it was for her son. Um, when he left for for California in 1975, they gave him, like, his grandfather's pocket watch. Mm-hmm. His grandmother was, like, incredibly good with his name and pronouns. And all of them just, like, adored him. And, like, accepted them. They were like, okay, cool. This is what we're doing now. Cool. All right. And I think that, like, people have such that capacity. And I think that, like... Um, so, yeah. Uh, Lou moved to California, and then he started just, like, living his life as a gay man. Mm-hmm. And he uh, found himself very involved in, like, the communities he found in California. Mm-hmm. He helped a lot of fellow trans men. And he he started volunteering at Yana's Information Facility, which mm-hmm. was a center for trans issues. And he was actually the first trans man to ever be a peer counselor there. So he really focused on helping his own community mm-hmm. of, like, specifically trans men and specifically trans gay men. Because at the time, trans gay men wasn't believed to be a thing. Exactly. And here's where we get into it. Mm-hmm. Because the medicalization of queerness immediately leads to rules. It immediately leads to how you can be queer and how you cannot be queer, which is where where the wheels fall off the bus. We're done. We've, we've lost the game. He was a gay trans man, something that we see quite often now. Like we, I've met a lot of gay trans men and I've seen a lot of gay trans men. And, but at the time, it was believed that a necessary part of being a man was being attracted to women, which Wild. that's a mind trip. <laughs> um, so the idea that a trans man would not be attracted to women was just like, no, that that can't happen. And it, it actually stopped Lou from getting a lot of services that he needed. And he had to go to different clinics and he didn't get the surgeries he wanted. And then he did get the surgeries he wanted, but he didn't get all of them. And it was a whole mess because, you know, medicalization and rules for queerness just don't fucking work. Right. The whole point is to take, you know, to let people exist as the person they want to exist as and be attracted and exist with and interact with the people they want to. And medicalizing that immediately, you know, having transness and and different levels of queerness and different versions of queerness in the DSM and in any medical sphere, unless the, the queer person deliberately brings it into that sphere, is not workable. Because the medical community needs rules. It needs to have limits and understandings and black and white and clear to make diagnoses. And they, why the fuck 
Are we letting them make diagnoses on queerness? Right. And this is something that still exists, and it, it still bothers me. The medical community, the, med- the same medical community that largely believes, this is a largely held belief, and it's so upsetting, that Black people literally have thicker skin. That is not the case. And that Black people literally experience less pain. And that is a way that Black people are killed en masse, are killed by the medical system. Because they believe these rules that they just made up mm-hmm. in a corner with three straight men and uh, an old textbook that tells them what people look like. And I'm like, that's really limited, baby. And, you know, not only that, but um, medical physicians are not required in, in a lot of places to get continued edu- education. So when new things come out, when we learn things, they don't learn them too. So they are literal physicians who still believe hysteria is a thing. Mm-hmm. Who still believe Freud had some good points. Right. Those people shouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. Those people should not have a degree. They Once you say, well, Freud said, and do it in a positive way, there goes your doctor, baby. It's out the fucking door. Like, there's allowing medicalization, and I'm not saying medical people, because medical people can be a huge help to queer people, but allowing medicalization into our communities is a disrespect to what we should have learned from our history. It is, it's it's antithetical to the knowledge we should be gleaning from our history. It does not fit in any (laughs) critical discussion of our history that medicalization still belongs with us, that there's a point of it. There's not. Get out. You're not, you're not, you don't belong here unless someone personally and deliberately invites you in. Right. And I say personally and deliberately because that's, it's never going to be a universal choice. Mm -hmm. What's going to be good for one intersex person? What's going to be good for one trans person? What's going to, what's going to be good for one lesbian? What's going to be good for one asexual person? If they want medicalization in their lives, fucking go for it. Go party. If you want to up your sex drive for some reason fucking party hard. If you want to, you know, have your genitals changed, I'm so excited for you and I will throw a party for you, but this should not be a requirement. This should not, and the people making those decisions should be you. Mm-hmm. Not some fucking doctor whose last discussion with a trans person was generally a white trans person and generally a binary trans person 300 years ago. Like, their oh, their education's so limited. Even now, I remember having a medical student explain to me how he was so aware of transness. He was so smart. He was, he was big brain, guys. He knew what he was talking about. He knew what he was talking about. Do you want to hear his hot take? What was his hot take? Misgendering trans patients causes distress in those patients, so maybe you shouldn't do it. Damn. Mind fucking blow. These are the people we're letting making our decisions? Oh my god, are they not qualified? Oh my fucking god, are they not qualified? And to be clear, this person was queer in other ways, but they weren't trans that I know of. So they shouldn't be making these decisions for trans. Anyways, anyways, I'm going off, but you know, Lou Sullivan spent his, a good portion of his life fighting the medical system, being like, hey, I'm a gay trans man. I've been living as that for a very many years. Can you please give me the surgeries I want? And, and only the surgeries I want. And they were like, um, no. No. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this really intense quote from him because Lou Sullivan contracted AIDS and that's what he died of. And I think Will has the quote in front of them. One second. In a way, I don't even feel bad about having AIDS. In a way, I feel it's almost a poetic justice. Because AIDS is still seen at this point as a gay man's disease. It kind of proves that I did do it and I was successful. 
And I kind of took a perverse pleasure in contacting the gender clinics that rejected me and said that they've told me so many years that it was impossible for me to live as a gay man, but it looks like I'm going to die like one. I lose like, my mind. if that quote doesn't hit you to your core, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say because I think it's important to recognize that there are doctors in the medical system right now who treated gay men like that, who said AIDS was a gay man's disease, who still believe that AIDS is a gay man's disease. And I I just, these are the people who are making decisions, not only in, and I, I find it really in in, in uh, progressive spaces, we, we have this desire to listen to the experts. And I, I agree with that. I want to listen to scientists when it comes with climate change. But the experts in queerness are not doctors. They're queer people. Queer people are the experts in queerness. It's not Anyone with a degree, you can get a degree and learn more about queerness. Yes. But the expert in queerness will always be queer people. It will not be doctors. And I think, like, one thing we really have to underline when talking about Lou Sullivan is that he was really engaged in community. 100%. He wrote the first guidebook for trans men, mm-hmm. and it was called Information for the Female to Male Cross-Dresser and Transsexual. He wrote a biography of Jack B. Garland, who's also a trans person. He edited The Gateway, which had another name at the time, but then was changed to The Gateway, which is a newsletter for trans folks. He worked really hard to write petitions so that the road to transitioning, medically transitioning, would be easier for those who came after him. Mm -hmm. He worked really hard to to form this community and partake in these communities and just... He was not seen as the expert. Mm -hmm. He had spent so much time doing direct action, working in the communities, talking to the people who were experiencing these things, and the experts looked at him and said, you don't know enough, I know more. Right? How 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 does that happen? And I think that that's something we're repeating 100% in the progressive community of of giving these these academics and and people who have degrees more clout in the in in discussions than they fucking deserve. Cuz you know, they can't know more. If a queer person can 100% and like a straight cisgender parasex allosexual person can 100% learn about queerness, and at one point, maybe be even allowed in queer discussions and be known as an expert. But the experts, the people leading discussions, the people who these people will be learning from till the day they fucking die. And I'm sorry, that's what happens when you enter a field that is people. It's just like, you know, if it is so frustrating because they want it to be a static field. Mm-hmm. But people who study, let's just, let's just say the ocean. People, marine marine biologists, if they found a new fucking species and they were holding it in their hand, would there would we allow them to respond by saying no, this does not exist? Yeet. <laughs> would we allow them to throw it back? And I'm not saying that hasn't happened because I believe that it has, especially with colonization. I'm gonna just go ahead and say that. But would we allow them to throw away the evidence? Mm-hmm. Would we publicly agree that it's they don't need to look at that. They don't need to engage with, with that. They Just because it's outside. They don't need to consider it. New evidence? Mm-mm, never heard of it. Never heard of that. And every, like, if you're in that field, every single queer person knows more than you. I'm sorry. And that sucks. Because, like, you want to be the expert at one point, but you don't get to be. You don't. If you are a, that is, if you're an ally entering these communities, I'm sorry. But you do not get the clout. Mm-hmm. And they want it so bad. 
They want it so bad. They want it so bad. But if you're an ally, you it has to be coming from love. And if and love and allyship cannot be expressed in domination. It cannot be expressed. Allyship cannot be expressed in domination and of crushing the voices of those who do not fit into your understanding of that community. And I think that applies to a lot of different kinds of allyship that I've seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And of ignoring the ones who, who don't agree or who, who don't fit your experience. And that doesn't mean you have to agree with everyone you run into. But if your step forward is to shut down their voice, you failed. You're done. You're, you've, uh, you've ripped up your fucking degree in my eyes. You're done. You're done. You're, you're out. You know how, like, you can get your, the bar can strip you of your, your license to practice law? Mm-hmm. I have personally stripped you of your license to practice any type of expertise in queerness. Mm-hmm. You're done. You don't get to silence queer people. Allies do not get to silence queer people. I don't care how good of an ally you are. Queer people can say, shut the fuck up, Carol. That's fine. But I don't want to hear people's fucking hot... I don't want to hear cis people's hot takes on Caitlyn Jenner. Right? I want to hear trans people's hot takes because she's fucked up. I don't want to hear it. Like, you're not the expert. Anyways, mm-hmm. I, I got a little heated. But his story really makes me passionate because he shouldn't have been treated like that. And he shouldn't have seen death as a form of validation. And too many of us do. So, um... Let's move into wrecking the queers. Yes. Um. Also, we there were oh, a yeah, lot sorry. of things that we didn't talk about about Lou Sullivan. So mm-hmm. go ahead to our website and read the article that Dean put up. It's fantastic. It's a really good article. This ended up in a more ranty podcast style. So I, I really, really do encourage you to to read Dean's article. It's a fantastically done article, and Dean knows a lot about Lou Sullivan. And there's a lot of links below if you want to do further reading. There's a book on Lou Sullivan that came out recently. I don't remember the name, but just do a quick Google. You'll find it. Read that. Learn more about him. He was an interesting figure in our history, and I, I hope you developed the same passion for him that I clearly had. But um, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we're going to jump into Wrecking Queers, and this time we both have someone to recommend. We're going to wreck the queers where we recommend you stuff and you guys wreck us and uh people have wrecked us but i have not been on social media enough to have them in front of me cool we'll take them next month next month hopefully anyways this podcast i'm gonna recommend you pals and instagrammer and funnily enough this is i guess this podcast episode will be titled like the trans one or something (laughs) because i'm gonna talk about a trans man and he his name is mars wright and he is uh, an activist, creator, mm-hmm. uh, I guess you could call him an influencer. Mm-hmm. He does a ro- lot of really cool things on Instagram. He ha- makes a lot of cool trans-inclusive art. Or mm-hmm. like trans, not even not even trans-inclusive, but like trans- Art about trans people. Uh, art about trans people and art about his own experience as a trans man. And he posts these reels, and I think he's also on TikTok, but I'm not a TikToker. Uh, Will's a, a millennial. I am a millennial, and I, I don't understand TikTok. Cross-generational. Mm-hmm. It's one year, but it's, this is a cross-generational relationship. <laughs> but he posts a lot of things about loving being trans and really, like, embracing the transness of his own identity. And I think it's just really beautiful. He recently started making making apparel so you can get, like, a face mask with your pronouns on them, or, like a beanie, or these beautiful t-shirts and, and hoodies that he he designs and it's all just really it has like a really queer and trans vibe to it you know when you look at someone's art and you're like ah that's a queer person yeah 
And that's sort of the vibe of this art. And yeah, so you can find him on Instagram as Mars, uh, period, right? That's M-A-R-S, period, W-R-I-G-H-T. And I will also link that in the podcast description. And he's just like, yeah, he is very proud to be trans. And I love seeing people who are really proud to be trans. I'm going to give my own shout out. It's going to be smaller and I'm going to give a full one next time. But I just couldn't help it. I watched the video recently. Welcome to the publicly queer community, Abigail of Philosophy Tube. We're so fucking happy to have you here. I'm so happy for her. Ah, but I'm also terrified for her because she said it in her fucking video. She's like, Britain is interesting <laughs> with uh, trans issues. It's a fucking mess right there. Mm. Um, That's what she meant. <laughs> well, actually, I think she said that. But um, I just, I'm so excited. Uh, Philosophy Tube is a channel I've been watching for a while, and I've always really admired her and thought that she was a, an incredible creator. And I'm just so happy to be able to say uh, I recommend as a queer channel Philosophy Tube uh, by Abigail. I'm so happy to have her as a part of the queer. And she yeah. has she has a lot of really good discussions on 100%. queerness and trans issues, and she's made all these gorgeous like all of her videos incredible, and they're all Art. like journeys, um, these really beautiful journeys that take you from like a very emotional start to finish. Yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, watching those videos, I always felt very validated as a queer person, and it makes sense that it came from another queer person. Not to say I, I predicted that because that's not my business and that's not my job. I, I always felt very validated. Yeah, I felt like very yeah. I'm I'm very happy that she we can say welcome to the publicly because you know obviously this has existed before the video but welcome to the publicly trans community Abigail we're so fucking happy to have you I'm so happy for her like I'm so emotional about it if you it's what she deserves have the energy to go on an emotional journey uh, go check out her videos and look at especially her trans issues videos because mm -hmm. they have made me cry. Mm -hmm. And I think they're really worth a watch. And if you're a non-trans person, I would definitely say watch those videos because that's that's a person who can be an expert. Mm -hmm. And I just really appreciate her expertise in the subject. But yeah, I think that's all we have for today. Hell yeah. All right, fantastic. Check out our website at www.makingqueerhistory.com. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash queerhistory. You can find all of our links to our Patreon, our social medias. Our shop. Our shop, our email, everything can be found on our website. Yes. You will find links to our Tumblr, our Instagram, our YouTube, our Pinterest. Other things as well. Our Facebook? Yes. And keep up with our YouTube channel. Dean has been killing it. There are 12 videos going to come out over the year, and all of them are bangers. So keep an eye out for that. And also, the book club. Yes, book club. This month, uh, for patrons, we are reading Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe, which I'm super excited to talk about, because I only read it last year, and it is interesting. And I'm so excited to see what discussions we have, because, like, I think it's an imperfect book. And I'm really excited to have that discussion, because I love so much of it. But it's imperfect. And I'm really excited to have that discussion with everyone. Uh, last month, we talked about ACE, which was really great. We talked about some of the limitations it had. It didn't discuss all of the asexual community. And it sort of like 
didn't talk about a lot of identities thoroughly or even at all, which is disappointing. But at the same time, it did a really, really great job on expanding on the philosophy of asexuality and where it belongs in the queer community and also where it belongs in like the sort of discussion of sexuality in general. I thought it's, and this was echoed in the discussion on our Discord because our Patreons are, our patrons are on a Discord server and we're talking about it. It's very exciting. But uh, it was echoed there that the feminist chapter and the discussion of sex positivity and where asexual people belong in the sex positivity discussion was fantastic. I loved that. And I learned a lot from the book when I read it, and it seemed like a lot of you enjoyed it as well. I'm so grateful to be able to talk to you about it. And yeah, next book is Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe. And I'm so excited to talk to everyone about it, because I have thoughts. And I'm sure y'all will have thoughts by the end of it. And maybe I'll finally watch the movie, even though the movie erases the queerness. Oh, that being said... (laughs) Uh, when we, um, if y'all are a long time listener, we did a book drive oh, way back. And one of the things we got was a VHS copy of Fried Green to name Tomatoes, which no one bought. And we still have a copy of. So if anyone has a VHS player in Edmonton and wants a copy of Fried Green Tomatoes, we have, we're your people. Contact us. Email us at queerhistorypatreon at gmail.com and, and we'll give you it. We will send you a VHS. We'll send you a VHS. Or if you're just like a VHS collector i don't know i don't know if those exist do people collect vhs like do people, people collect cassette vinyl? cassette tapes now that, oh yeah that makes sense and that i'm like i am up. so proud of you because like go off and cute cassette tapes they're so fucking cute. adorable that being said growing up using cassettes cassettes are trash oh horrible. would never use them again i used cassettes i collected cassettes for like a hot minute when i was 17 God, you're so hipster. I had a little box, and I uh-huh. got all of the cassettes from my mom and my dad, mm-hmm. and I just like picked out the ones I wanted to listen to, and I would hang out in my room listening to cassettes. Oh my god! So I really predated the trend. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you are a trendsetter. I am. Okay, awesome. We're so now y'all note. are are hipster pointed by Will. Mm-hmm. Will won the hipster points. I liked cassettes before they were cool when they were shitty things that you had to listen to because you had no other option. Exactly. That's my hipster points. <laughs> I liked them before they were cool. And they were trash. I hate them. <laughs> um, but anyways, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope you all have a great day. Um, beat up your local doctor. That's the moral. <laughs> not the moral of this. There are some really great doctors out there. Don't beat up. Uh, Apple a day, chuck it. (laughs) Oh my god. There are some wonderful doctors. There are some great queer doctors. Search out queer doctors. Support them. Um, I guess in America, give them money, I guess. Yeah. That's fucked up, though. (laughs) Y'all need to work on that one. (laughs) Um, You're working on it a lot, though. We'll leave it alone. Um, But uh, in Canada, just uh, support queer doctors. Uh, They probably do a lot. Give them a cup of coffee. Don't throw an apple at them. Apple cider. Apple cider. Apple cider. There we go. Like, don't make the joke publicly, but be like, give them apple cider. Maybe they're allergic to apples. They'll die. But no. It'll be an adventure. I hope y'all have a great day. Uh, Don't medicalize trans bodies. Don't medicalize anyone's bodies unless they specifically are like, hey, can I have this help with a medical professional? Mm -hmm. In which case, yes. Go off, sis. Thank you so much for listening. We love you guys so much. Um, And shout out to our patrons. Shout out to our patrons. Thank you for making this possible. And thank you for not mutinying and killing me for not producing any content. Well, I produce some content. I've just produced less content in the past month and a half. Um, If you do mutiny, I'm not upset about it. I understand. You've made the correct choice for this project. Remember to drink some water today? Yeah. Uh, tell someone you love them. I don't know. We love you. Do some self-care. Do some self-care. 
Um, bully a doctor if you need to. If that's your self-care. I, I'm going to, because this is what I have to do in my day. <laughs> I'm saying if you have not been making that a doctor's appointment because you're scared of doctors because doctors are trash, go to rate my MD. Find some doctors in your area that maybe aren't trash. Even if they're not in your area, reach out. Even if you're just talking to them for a consultation and being like, hey, doctors are trash. How can I deal with them? You can you can call them and ask them that. I guess you can't in America because that would cost money. I'm sorry, Americans. It really must suck. Um, but just, I don't know, call a local doctor. Maybe you know a doctor as a friend. Get help. If you're going into a medical situation in which you're scared, bring someone with you. If you can, have an advocate. You deserve that. And if you can't bring someone in because it's COVID, be your own advocate and be an asshole. I'm begging you. Be an asshole to your doctor. Make those requests that you need to make and say exactly the pains, where they're coming from, and how bad they are. And don't let them dismiss it. Throw an apple at them if they do. Mm-hmm. Bring an apple deserve. with you. Bring an apple. Just, and just in case. Chuck it. You know, bring a bucket. You know, uh, I'm on Flash Food. It, it gives you, like, uh, deals on, like, large <laughs> things of food in Canada. Get one of those apps. Bulk get apples. Bring it with you to the doctor's threaten them let them know make (laughs) eye contact and um let them know to fear you and as self-care just give them a concussion with those apples yes if they pull shit that's self-care for me thank you so much for listening i hope you all have a great day and your doctors don't and remember and remember history is queerer than you think we have always existed and we are still here Stories of those slung dead We won't disappear We're taking the pen back Into our own hands We live and we breathe And we keep creating Taking a stand History is queerer than you think Yes, we will continue Yes, we will improve Making history what we do Yes, we will keep growing Yes, we'll never stop Every step we're taking Is history in the making We hold our own future We learn from the They've tried to remove our legacy, but we are built to last. So listen to the stories, cause they'll help us grow. From Sappho to Frida Kahlo, there's always more to know. History is queerer than you think. Yes, we will continue.
Every step we're taking